You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are here for a victory Tuesday, sounding and looking like shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but feeling great. You know, I I saw you at you know tweeted earlier today that uh, ever since you cooked some lasagna, the Giants haven't lost. And also, as long as I've had this cold... The Giants haven't lost. So as we're going into week four of the cold, we're going into week four of the Giants on a winning streak. And if you look around the rest of the NFL, there are not many teams right now that have won three in a row. So they are one of the hotter teams in the league. And it's uh, it's a real testament to a lot of things that we're going to get into in this show. Uh, just for the record, I only I only cooked that lasagna like last week. I was still eating it. So, I mean. Oh, for crying out loud. But uh, so it was all worth it, though. Uh, you know, I had to go to work today, feel like crap. I uh, got home. I actually beat you home. I got home at uh, 20 after 12. Yeah, you should. I mean, I, I live in the city, so it, to me it's uh, it's train, train, subway. So it, sometimes those parts don't – they worked pretty well, but, you know, I heard you were home already, and I was, that's pretty impressive. So good job by you. Uh, usually means someone's speeding, uh, so maybe not the best move by me. I think I think I was just kind of <laughs> lucky, but um, all that you know, and, and I always hate this about night games is that especially these types of games that go down to the last second and you win are the hardest to go to bed when you get home. Like it's just so difficult to. I don't want to yeah. say calm down, but like I just I simply don't want to go to sleep yet. Like. Yeah, I didn't I mean, get a chance to celebrate yet. Yeah, well, to me, it's like I've been so deadened by what the Giants have done this year and my Gators have done this year that losses are just – I'm past the – I'm going to lay there and be like, what the fuck? You know, ugh, this – It's to me, it's just like, oh, we lost and that's that. But uh, we had mentioned this on the train last night that it was, you know, <laughs> I'm excited. I am happy, and I think that's what all Giant fans should be. Um my takeaway from this game was a feeling I haven't had in a very long time going to any sporting event. Um, usually as a fan, you are so in the weeds of what does this game mean with respect to choose your ending? What does this mean to our playoff potential? What does this mean for us getting the first pick in the draft? What does this mean for seeding? All these different things. And, before the game, I was talking with Justin from um, from Talking Giants, and we were just like, "What are we doing here? Why are we here?" You know, just kind of. But I, I think that, you know, as Grump and I were, you know, in the Jamison room before, and just kind of, you know, having our one beverage, and we just kind of were like, you know, something. Let's just enjoy this. Like, who cares? You know, if the Giants win, well, they're great. You know, we. We're making something of this season, and maybe we can even talk about the P word. You know, if they play well and they lose, well, fine. We were entertained for three hours, and you know, we could talk about, you know, next year. But watching this game was, to me, I don't know how you feel, Grump, and I think I know how you feel, but it was joy. It was fun. It was fun being a fan. You know, Tommy DeVito, forget all the Jersey stuff. I don't care about that, but. There's this Rocky thing happening with him right now where this guy is not an NFL starter, you know, but he's – he won that game for the Giants. That wasn't just complete, you know, game management, don't make a mistake. He made some plays that if he doesn't make those plays, the Giants probably don't win. So – and you could feel it in the stands. You know, there was a lot of Packer fans there and, you know, I – Hats off to Packer fans. You guys are not dicks like Cowboy fan or whoever. They're like a they're like a professional college crowd. They love their team. They're rooting for their team. But you can feel energy with a Giant fan, which is very rare for 
a pro team, and especially up here in the Northeast and in New York, they were just generally happy. They were happy that you know the little quarterback that could was doing his thing. They were happy that this team that shows shorthanded, that has nothing to play for, was you know in, in spite of a potential catastrophe turnover, battled and doesn't quit and, and won a game against a pretty good team who didn't look good yesterday, but it's a pretty good team. So I, I just came walking out of there. It's just like I had a smile from ear to ear. I wasn't thinking about the future. I wasn't thinking about the past. I'm not concerned. It was just I was just very happy. And it's a nice feeling to have as a, you know, a cranky fan, a jaded 51 year old at this point. But uh, it was a great feeling. Yeah, um, I, I think that the coolest thing about this one and I, I think the so this was just generally fun. You're right. Everything you said, totally agree with. Um, this was a lot of fun. There is sort of a rocky thing happening with Tommy DeVito. But I think that this was more fun. I, we, we, we keep talking about this. Like, it's smart to lose, but on Sundays, going to cheer for the team. Like, you know, be happy in the moment sort of thing. That is a... It's much more arguable that that's a stupid position to take when you're watching slugfests end in 10-7 victories where it's like <laughs> like 40 fumbles and you know it just looks like leather helmet football <laughs> and it's it it this was an NFL game. This yeah. looked I mean I'm not going to say it was good or pretty or mistake free because it certainly wasn't. And we're going to get into some of the really weird things here. I think the Packers did a lot more than maybe we did, but at the end of the day, this appeared to be an NFL game. Now I'm really curious on your opinion because you watch a lot more of this than I do. Uh, This game especially appeared to me, but around the league generally right now, I know the narrative is that, um, you know, there's no good NFL play. But it, it feels a lot more like the college landscape right now where you have a really high echelon of teams. Um, you've got Philadelphia and Dallas, San Francisco and Baltimore operating on a high echelon where you've got like your playoff four. Then you've got a bunch of other people that can hang and maybe knock off one of those four teams just kind of slugging it out, not looking great. They've all got quarterbacks that are sort of questionable. And then you have like the true dredges of the league underneath at the bottom. It feels a lot more like the college landscape and like we're watching college games. Doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I could see that. Uh, you know, if I brought somebody over from our homeland of Malta who had never watched the game of football before does not know what the NFL stands for, does not know what professional football is at all, all. And I told him to watch that 60 minute game. And you tell me which is the team that has the third string quarterback, which is the team that has been injured all year, which is the team that is closer to the first overall pick than a playoff spot. I would guess that, you know, you know, Joey Malta would probably say that that team would be the Green Bay Packers because they looked awful yesterday. And the Giants looked like a team that was a functional team, a team that just, you know, we, we, some mistakes were made, obviously, but we didn't look, the, the offense of Tommy DeVito from the first couple weeks he played is not there anymore. You know, you saw a quarterback that is progressing and is learning how to get out of trouble. You're seeing an offensive line that is vastly vastly improved over the last couple of weeks you are seeing receivers making plays you're seeing a defensive line and a defense playing well you're seeing a secondary playing reasonably well also so you know again you know green bay was a team where the quarterback was throwing the ball over the place and you know they were the ones making the bad penalties they were the ones who were making mistakes they're the ones who you know missed field goals all these different things were happening. Um, yeah, at the NFL right now, and, and we've, we've talked about this several times on this show because of you know the lack of practice, the lack of preparation for quarterbacks. You know, this is this a league that is suffering as a quarterback and an offensive line problem. And 
you know, it's showing now. You know, we're getting into week 13, 14, 15, and how many backups are playing? How many third-string quarterbacks are playing? How Just how sloppy does things look? And, uh, you know, those teams that like the superior teams, yeah, the – it's going to be fun in January when they're having their own little tournament. But right now, it really, once you get past, you know, those two or three teams, I really feel like anybody can beat anybody at any moment right now. And none of it really surprised me. I think when you see a, when you see a spread like, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 points right now, I think you're kind of crazy to be betting favorites at this point. Uh, the whole thing just seems weird uh, around the league. It's just wild to be two weeks ago talking about you know being in contention for the number one overall spot almost definitely getting the number two overall spot and now two weeks later we're arguing how stupid we are that we won some games and then another week goes by and we're a game out of the playoffs yeah it's it's just it's really bonkers i can't remember the last time and I know everyone thinks that this is sort of bad for the NFL. I don't know if that may. I, I, I don't know if. I, I think it's great. I, I think it's undeniably great for the NFL. I don't know necessarily that it's the greatest for fans. I mean, we have what is. It's it's it's, un, it's a worse product than it what it used to be on a whole. But I would say. But it's more entertaining. <laughs> most fans care more about their team winning and losing and making the playoffs or not than over quality of football. I mean, I think that me and you kind of look at football like, you know, yeah, obviously we want the Giants to make the playoffs. We want them to be really good. But we also are aware of this is bad football. And we've texted over the years all the time, this is awful. This is gross what we're watching right now. But when you have teams, and baseball is the best example of this the way it is now, if you get into like May and June and you're 20 games out of first place, why am I watching the rest of the season? That's bad for baseball. Ratings go down, ticket sales go down, lack of interest in the sport goes down that rest of that year in, in major markets or whatnot. When you have the the hint of making the playoffs, I mean, I've talked to several Giant fans today, and all they care about right now is that. Three-game winning streak, Tommy DeVito's a winner, we might make the playoffs. That's, and you could tell that that energy was in the stadium yesterday, and that is great for football because it's not good for the NFL when on Fox you have a game like last night is another Monday night game with a team, and if we have no shot or no Tommy DeVito story, no one's watching here, maybe nationally but not here. Now there's interest and a, a fan base that doesn't feel like there's no hope. You know, we, will we make the playoffs? I don't know. Probably not. But guess what? I'm a hell of a lot more interested in that game coming up Sunday against New Orleans. We're going to treat this show differently than we would have potentially two weeks ago. I'm going to be watching the game with more interest. I'm going to be thinking about things more then because until we aren't, we are. And that is good for me as a fan. It's good for the sport to have as many people engaged as possible for as long as they can. Yeah, it's it's undeniable, but I, I think all of that that level of like everything you said, fans caring more about winning than caring about a uh, quality product on the field. All of that lends itself to like the college atmosphere. Like yesterday, felt a lot like a college game to me. Um, oh, a lot it? of reasons. A lot of reasons. I mean, first of all, Green Bay. <laughs> Second Green of all, Bay... <laughs> yeah, good. What's that? They're good. No, the first reason is you know, the Packer fans are they're a professional college team. I mean, they are, they are Midwest sure. nice to begin with. They are, you know, they they chant the whole game like you do in a college game. They are, you know, they they're one of the few fan bases that lives, breathes and dies their team in the NFL like a college you know fan does. Then you have again it was an interesting giant crowd there it, last it night. It was a fun giant crowd. It, it was. It was not your grizzled 1 o'clock season ticket holder. Nope. It wasn't your meathead, I'm going to go get drunk on a Monday night crowd. It nope. wasn't your ban- It wasn't your bandwagoner fan. It was just a lot of people that, 
you know, and it's not like all of a sudden these people are showing up because of Tommy DeVito mania either. It was just a fan base that felt like, like we kind of did. There's nothing to lose tonight. Any outcome that happens, I'm good with. Let's just enjoy a football game and have fun and be happy. And guess what? A 60-minute game became a 30-minute game, became a 15-minute game, became, oh, we got the ball with a chance to win. And it was just – watch Rocky and watch how the crowd is when that gets to like the 7th and 8th and ninth and 10th round, how that the excitement cheering for Rocky, throwing punches was just kind of how it was last night. It was it was a lot of fun. All right, so we're let's let's dive into it. We're kind of dancing around it. It's been 15 minutes. Before we do, I am going to be drinking this double IPA from Oak Flower Brewing, and I am going to promote this beer for no money because they are a small business that makes a quality product just like this show. So do yourself a favor, crack open an Oak Flower Brewing and tell a friend about Just Giants. Um, let's start on the offense. Let's start on Tommy DeVito mania. Um, I don't want to get into the merits and pitfalls. I just want to acknowledge that it's a thing, and I think that it's fun, and I don't really care. I'm, like, unapologetic about it. Of course. You know, I don't care about the New Jersey angle. I'm not a New Jersey person. I am not a stereotype person like that. Um, You know, if he wants to – they want to have the Sopranos music when he comes in, all that other stuff, wonderful. Although uh, the agent on the sideline, that's – that's fantastic. I, I, Kuda, he gets a star. For just oh, really? Cool. Okay. Justin Justin Pennick described him as a cartoon character. That is the most yeah. accurate statement I've ever heard. It, like, really, that is a – that's like an absolute gonna... – like, you know in like – like uh, what is it? Rocky and Bullwinkle, like the, the two – like the villains are just yeah. so clearly like Russian agents or whatever. If you're gonna lean into it, go all the way, and you know, kudos to them. I mean, that they're building a brand, they're building something, and it's great. Um, but yeah, I, like I said in the opening, there were plays that had to be made for this team to win, and whether it was his legs, whether it was his arm, his accuracy, he made plays. It was just not a game, a game management performance. He, you know, there was some third down plays. You know, the touchdown he threw. Uh, you know, he he again, the numbers are low because they have and kudos to the coaching staff for designing an offense around his skill set, his uh, familiarity with the, with the with the offense, with his confidence, with, with his experience, all these different things. But they have designed an offense to take what he does best and accent it, you know, his ability to run. Uh, you know, take that again with an offensive line that, you know, we ran for what, 200 yards as a team, this offensive line, God bless him. Uh, but back one more thing about DeVito, and I was actually thinking about this this morning, and I want to run this by you. Do you see a potential role for Tommy DeVito on this team as more than just a third string quarterback who's proven to be a potential second team quarterback? Do you see any possible, uh, Tayshawn Hill potential with him, like around the goal line, because he's showing some things with his legs that I feel like would be almost wasted on the bench. It's just never, ever playing. And I I just see like a potential opportunity to maybe use some of that skill set. Like I'm not asking to come in and, you know, throw for 300 yards or anything, but in a a play formation, a, 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 a uh, situation where he could be used. It's not just someone who's just mothballed and, you know, used in the future. All right. So um, in in the context of this question, when are you asking me this? Like, is this 2024 Daniel Jones is a starting quarterback? Yes. Okay. Um, it's a really interesting thought. I hadn't thought of it. It's a little unconventional. Um, I'm – I'm not inclined to say yes, but here's the most interesting thing about it to me. The fact that you're considering this means that you are giving him a 53-man roster spot, just so you know. So I'm throwing that out there. But I, um, you know, 
on offense, I, I don't know if I see him like that. You mean like kind of line him up as uh, a running back that can also kind of throw the ball or something like that and let him kind of do sort of trick plays like that? I could see I could see stuff like that for sure. I could also see him having a role, something like that, on uh, like special teams or something like that. I think I that this coaching staff is creative enough and uh, daring enough to throw some shit out there, but more than anything, I think it's really interesting that you were considering giving him a 53-man roster spot. I think that's that's a huge leap from where you were one week ago. It was because I, I just saw I saw the things that he does well in a different light. I wasn't looking at Tommy DeVito, which I had been for the first you know several weeks of. Well, here's the things he obviously can't do right now, and I saw things I saw. Forget pocket presence. I saw a guy who can legitimately run potentially. I saw a guy that you know can make, and I think a lot of it was I think that the defense was a little out of kilter. I don't think they expected him to be able to run the way he did yesterday. So I'm not even saying having him line up as a running back in short yards. I mean having him line up under center and potentially doing some things. I mean, again, not every play, not a whole series, but I mean, just having that know, package of plays, just having having that package. Maybe I mean, you, on you, short yardage anywhere or goal. Yeah, line I or... was gonna say, yeah, exactly. Red zone, goal line, uh, short yardage, third and one, fourth and one, somewhere around midfield, just yeah. spark plays, shit like something, that. Yeah. Something what the Saints do when they use Hill. Yeah, I, I could, I could certainly see him having that role if the coaches were to do something like that. The, the more. Here's the thing. The teams that are able to do that, that kind of shit, there's only two kinds of teams that do that. The really good offenses and the really hopeless ones. So the thing is, and I say that because it's not because it's a bad idea or anything. I'm just saying where the Giants have been pretty much since 09. 08 is the exception. So 2008 was the best Giants team I think I've seen with my in, in my adult life, that team was not going to lose until Blacksville Burris got hurt. Um, after that, even the two playoff runs, you're talking about a middling team that is t- trying its hardest to earn a playoff spot. They're not going to dick around by putting quarterback two Tommy DeVito local hero on a third and one unless they're really confident that they've got something or if, you know, they know that they are, you know, a juggernaut offense. They haven't been a juggernaut offense, really. So, but, but to answer your question, yes, I, I see the skill set. I see a coaching staff that's willing to do it. I just think that the coaching staff needs to know that their offense can function and that this isn't a gimmick to supplement anything. This is a legitimate package of plays to supplement their I, offense. I also think, you know, as well as Tommy DeVito played yesterday – I think if Daniel Jones or even if Tyrod Taylor played yesterday, I don't think this game's even close. I think I thought Green Bay was awful yesterday. I thought their defense was really bad yesterday. Um, I think part of a lot of that, I think, again, is the packages they had for Tommy DeVito. They did not want him to outkick his own coverage and make mistakes or anything. That's why, you know, he only threw how many times the pass attempts did he have in the game? 13, 14? It's pretty low. I thought it was 21. Was it that high? I, I, it, I'm not sure. It, Hang on. It was pretty low. Maybe that last drive he had a bunch. Cause yeah, I big. think he caught up by the second half is really what it, it was. Twenty. He was 17 of 21 for 158 yards. Okay. But, but it, it was low getting up. I think that the, yeah, the final I, I, it really, I think it accumulated in the second half. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, um, again, I'm not saying, oh, because of this game they should do that. My thing is now I think it gives this coaching staff and it gives this front office something to think about that. You know, because again, Tommy DeVito is not going to the bench now. I mean, he's going to be the starting quarterback. I don't think there's really any, you know, the uh, the Tyrod who? Yeah, and again, I am someone that you know, I I die on a hill to a certain point, but I also get off that hill when I know it's time to get off the hill. And uh, you know, there's there's sometimes there's just an unspoken energy or something where a guy where it works and. Right now, Tommy DeVito's got that energy. That might completely go away next week, going to the Superdome, a hostile place we never play well. He may look terrible again, and it's like, okay, well, now we, we, we pivot from there. But 
I think right now you kind of roll with them until you, until you don't. So, uh, before I, I want to move off of Tommy DeVito and go to the the kind of the offense in general. Sure. Uh, but but last thing, you had described a couple weeks ago, and it's not going to be a direct comparison because the sports are different. But you said that really there's no Jeremy Lin insanity sort of moment here with Tommy DeVito. Are we there yet, or does it take a victory over New Orleans? No, because the Jeremy Lin thing, first you got to remember, was he all of a sudden out of nowhere was scoring 35 points, was hitting six three-pointers in a game. He was hitting the game-winning shot against Toronto. He was the reason why they beat uh, the Lakers. So I don't think it's it's exactly apples to apples. Well, I don't uh, think it ever will be. I don't think it ever will be. I mean, I think... But I mean... As are well we are we hitting that fervor and is it so like I think oh, the diff I think the point you were making I, I I think the point you were making when you said it was that there is that it was sort of unjustified this this like Homer let's embrace this kid because he hadn't done anything like the games were being won right. and he was, he was there he was a cartoon character who all of a sudden was thrust into playing right as opposed to a player that elevated the team to victories and then was being you know showered in flowers i understand that it's different but are we now approaching that or are we already there like does it take another victory over new orleans or does the victory over green bay on monday night which you know we haven't won on monday night at home ever i can't remember the last fucking time we won at monday night at home and, and, and this unexpected win, did, did we did we already hit that point? You know, it and the sports are totally different, right? Eighty two games for basketball, so it stretches over multiple and, games for a period of time. This is not going to work the same. And in spite of what Bobby Skinner thinks, the Knicks are New York. There is no Knicks and Nets kind of sixty forty or you know you know sixty five thirty five split. And the Knicks own the city. The you know, Jets and Giants is much closer, so it's not the complete city buying into a Tommy DeVito mania or anything. But I think that game last night on Monday night where probably more Giant fans are watching it than they would have on 1 o'clock on a Sunday. Um, This game is flexed out to 1 o'clock on Sunday. Nobody cares about this game. I bet you a lot of Giant fans – They're all going Christmas shopping. They're going Christmas shopping. They're they're getting reacquainted with their wives and kids and everything. But I think – because this game stayed on. It's Monday night. You know, everybody's sitting on the couch watching. They're in the freezing cold like we were. That, you know, time and place and circumstances also create the moment. And doing it on Monday night where everybody saw it, you had – you also had, you know, you had Buck and Aikman doing the game. You didn't have the backup guys doing the Dolphin game, you know, in the competition. I think that, you know – well, just look this week. You know, look at the bat, look at the New York Post or something. Look how many pages will be devoted to Tommy DeVito as opposed to the rest of the Giants, as opposed to the Jets, as opposed to the Knicks, as opposed to, you know, what the Yankees do in free agency. I mean, he's going to own the back pages. I mean, I don't listen anymore, but if you listen to the fan, tell me how much time is devoted to calls and commentary about Tommy DeVito versus everything else. I, I think, I, I, I think. Um, I think it's still a little been fueled by who he is as a person and, you know, the, the culture that he is and the brand he's developing. But bottom line is this is a town where wins matter and they have won three in a row and they put themselves in a position to be relevant, um, just, just like we were two years ago, kind of. Um, you you made a comment about Green Bay stinking, and I'm I'm gonna get into the game a little bit here. So starting with the Giants' offense on defense, I I think I understand what Green Bay was doing here. I, I think that this this whole game was a classic co- uh, case of coaches out coaching uh, and just being stupid because this was a team that on Thanksgiving absolutely demolished Detroit. I mean, just ran them over with a steamroller. They seem to completely alter everything that they did around, like, just managing the Giants as a situation. And I don't understand why they didn't just play football. Because on defense, it looked like they were going to play, you know, Tommy DeVito the other week won pretty much flip of a coin. He's either taking a sack or hitting a 60-yard play to Jalen Hyatt, right? Right. 
they played proven defense, right? So they were just going to rush four. They were going to absolutely crush the run. And then they were going to play back and they were going to say, rookie kid, you're going to have to avoid our pass rush and dink and dunk down the field because we're not giving you anything deep. It's not happening. And to his credit, he kind of called there, but he stepped up to the challenge and he dinked and dunked his way down the field. He navigated good pockets. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to say, I don't want to take everything away from the Giants and Tommy DeVito because that would be, uh, that wouldn't actually be fair or correct. But I don't know what the fuck the Packers were doing this whole game. I, I don't know what I, they're, they're out coaching themselves here. I, and, and they're playing in a situation where Jair Alexander, we went through all the injuries beforehand. Um, I didn't upload the YouTube video because I'm a shithead. Um, but we went through all the injuries beforehand. They were already navigating a situation where I could smell blood in the water. And I'm a grump, a hopeless grump. So I don't know why they decided that they needed to alter what they do around a third-string quarterback. Uh, but that's what they did. And he ended up stepping up to the challenge and called their bluff. They th- That left the whole middle of the field open for him to gain 70 yards with his legs. Um he was able to navigate only four rushers with no blitzers. Yeah, the, our offensive line failed, but it failed in little leaks here and there because they were able to help each other with five and in a, in a six per, person staying back in coverage. If you're only going to rush four, there's only going to be one guy leaking through. He can evade that, and if you're going to leave the middle of the field open and no one's going to spy him, he's going to have time to scramble and hit Wandale Robinson on a fantastic toe drag on the sideline. He's yeah. going to be able to scramble out on third down and hit Isaiah Hodgins in the back corner of the end zone. They allowed these situations to happen. Not to discredit Tommy DeVito because he still made it happen, but there was no... To me, this was just classic out-coaching the situation. Well, not only not even Tommy DeVito, but also this offensive line. I mean, we've watched this team this entire year. We've watched this offensive line struggle all year. We, we saw we were playing with a third-string quarterback. Who would have gone to Vegas and spent one penny of their hard-earned money and bet on a parlay that Tommy DeVito would not be sacked once and we would have 200 rushing yards in a game in this lifetime? No turnovers. And no uh, turnovers. Nope, nope, sorry. Sorry. Well, sure. Saquon. You know, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but a turnover But, but that... Tommy DeVito had no turnovers. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that was a just a, you know, you – need to capitalize on the weaknesses of another team and they clearly did not coach to do that and did not execute against that either and that's why they lost very honestly yeah i mean you know when when i preview these games and i look at things from wink's perspective you know how i i look at things you know this is a young quarterback this is a wink specialty this is a guy where he can lean into what he does it's not very often that i say that he needs to deviate like the blitz is going to kill us in this game he's going to have to try and throw him off by faking the blitz and dropping into coverage and usually when i say shit like that it's either to confuse a young quarterback or it's because it's a game where i'm really worried about uh, a smart quarterback who's gonna call my bluff or be able to do the homework to be three steps ahead of me i don't do that against third string quarterbacks i don't alter what we are as an identity in my brain i don't i don't go to the table with that as a strategy against a third string quarterback i'm not altering what we do because a, a, a game ago before the bye week he was able to beat another shit ass team by launching some bombs that's just irresponsible coaching, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, on and offense, Jordan, and also, and also, Jordan loves stunk too. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I want to stick with the offense for right yeah. now. Um, okay. we'll, we'll we'll definitely get to the defensive side of the ball for the Giants. On offense, I don't want to miss. Um, well, I want to talk about everybody, but uh, Wandale Robinson to me is the star of the night. Outstanding catch. First of all, he was just electric all around. Um, he had the huge, the huge play uh, running the ball on the wildcat 
sort of formation fumble Ruski. He had the flea flicker back shoulder catch where he had to really go up and get that one. That was a lot of him and a really bad decision to throw that one. He had the big catch on the game-winning drive, which was a nasty route. He won immediately on the first of two cuts. Um, And then he had the sideline toe drag. Uh, I think that was right before halftime. Outstanding hands. Wondell Robinson, to me, star. 6-7, 79-yards, catching two runs for 36 yards. Outstanding game. My star of the game is the offensive line because if the offensive line doesn't play as well as they did, their main mission in this game is to minimize the opportunities for Tommy DeVito to be not be Tommy DeVito the pumpkin, instead to be Tommy DeVito the Cinderella. And they did that. Again, you know, the the big things we were, you know, every time you know, DeVito in the other games was, was dropping back to pass and had that deer in the headlights look and just was looking around, that was usually because he was put in a position that he had to be like that. And they minimized that in this game. Um, they allowed the running game to happen. They allowed him to, you know, be dropped back and saw nothing, just take off. They allowed him time to, to, to drop back and throw. So to me, this is the offensive line and a much, much maligned unit. Um, you know, I don't know how many different combinations we've had starting this year. Um, you know, a franchise draft pick right tackle is, has been bad and just not even playing right now. You're playing with a rookie center and, I think it's the best game they played all year. And so then they get the star for me. Yeah. um, (laughs) Obviously the time in the pocket was a lot more this week. Uh, We saw some good. We saw some bad. We saw some interesting. Um, I want to talk about – they were particularly bad in the run game, I will say, for the most part. The run game in general was just pretty shitty. Uh, Come on, ours? Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of the positivity came at the very end of the game actually rushing the ball and were uh you know scramble drills and designed runs for the quarterback and stuff like oh, that. And so, in terms re- of actually running the ball with running backs, we were not very good yeah, for most of this game. And let's remember too, you know, Tommy DeVito is not all of a sudden, you know, uh you know, one of the elite quarterbacks in this league and expected to throw for 400 yards too. I mean, defenses you could see, you know, Linebackers and safeties creeping up and creeping up to stop the run, too. Oh, absolutely. So. No, no. Th- this is 100% why. I mean, th- like <laughs> yeah. I said, Green Bay came into this with a mission to stop the run and then yeah. play soft and just rush uh, only four in, in pass rushes. They were keying in on run. That's why our run game was absolute and, shit. I, and, I, my, and my bar is low for success in this offensive line. It's been so bad. But to me, you know, even playing average – against a run still is just like key to the win yeah i'm pivoting over to barkley though um yes so interesting game you know this this is one that's always going to be all of these games where he's playing with tommy devito are going to be hard uh until i see defenses treat tommy devito otherwise which you know it maybe it happens this week I, i don't know um it's going to be hard on Saquon to do anything because defenses are going to know that we're going to try and lean on the run. Saquon is the star. Saquon is the engine. He is the one who is capable of taking nothing and turning it into something. They're going to key in and on. It's just going to be hard for him. Um, that said, he didn't really do anything crazy special in this game. And I know it's not going to happen in most games or, or you know, in every game, I should say. The fumble's inexcusable, and and I don't know still if it's a fumble or not. Watching, having rewatched it on TV, um, I still don't know. I I honestly think at the end of the day, had they had blown that play dead, they would not have. You know, they'd look it over to see if it was a fumble, but they would not have overturned a call in the field down by contact for a fumble. It's because they didn't blow the whistle. They're just it was just too confusing. It's just a weird play. I don't think anything clearly happened. I don't think he clearly regained his balance and I don't think he clearly continued to trip either. It's it's a little ambiguous. It looks like he tries to kind of cut back inside and he stumbles trying to do a football move. So I, I don't even know the fucking rule. I don't know if if that qualifies as regaining your balance because he didn't regain his balance. The whole thing is just silly, but at the end of the day you have a guy who wants to be paid like an elite player in the league 
that when he dropped the ball on the ground and two Packers scrambled for it, he just stayed on his knees and and also just kind of dropped the ball. He let the he let the turf take a, the ball away from him, which in itself is inexcusable. But not having the gumption and the wherewithal to immediately get up and grab the ball no matter what, confusing or otherwise, that that to me it, it's sort of fart worthy. I'm not gonna do the fart. I think you might, um, but. This was a game that we needed Saquon to really step up, and that game could have been iced in that moment, and instead we all had to stay for a heart attack moment at the end, which was jolly good fun and entertaining, but also completely unnecessary. completely unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am going to give him a fart. Um, like you said in a little bit in, in, in your, your commentary about him, he wants to be paid as he's one of the best players in the league. And I understand that the chips may be against him the way the defense is going to be playing. The fact we have no real consistent passing game, not a downfield passing game to say really much of anything. Uh, but there are – it happens a lot. Long stretches in the game where I forget Saquon Barkley's on the team. And that just simply can't happen. I mean maybe that part of it is that you know we're just not – you know. He's not the bell, the bellwether guy that someone like a Derrick Henry is who's going to get 30, 35 carries when we need him to run the ball. Uh, but I, I don't know. Just I just don't get the sense that this team needs him going forward to justify the, the contract he's going to want. Um, I, 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 and the fumble was – and not only the fumble, he had that first touchdown in, in the game, right? That was him? He had the first two. Okay, which nobody brings up, and I thought about it at the moment, and someone actually texted me who was watching at home. He almost fumbled before he went over the line. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, enough that someone texted me who I who I, you know, value their opinion for football, not just saying it's like, I'm shocked they didn't review that because that to me looked like a fumble. I mean, you just got to be smarter, and you just got to – I don't know. I, I, I'm I've never been the guy that has a Saquon Barkley poster on my wall. I've never been an idol worshiper of him. I think he's been a solid giant. I don't think he is a guy that should go on the Ring of Honor if if this is his last year with the Giants. I just I need him to do more right now and unfortunately he isn't. So because of that, the bar is so low for the offensive line, I'm giving a star for what they did. My bar for Saquon Barkley is very high. And he right. gets a fart when he doesn't do that. So that's interesting. I'm gonna actually go back and review that that uh, that first mm-hmm. touchdown. Um, yeah. Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, I, I want to point out some individual performances, but I'm gonna continue my theme from before. In I don't know what the fuck Green Bay was doing. Uh, I, again, this seems like out coaching to me. Um, th- although this one is a little bit more excusable, the defense. For this team is what's keeping us around. It's what's winning 10-7 games. It's what's keeping us in games we should have won uh, in the Meadowlands and in Buffalo. Um, but again, you know, you have the fact that our offense is probably not going to be very good to work in your favor. Uh, and I understand that they didn't have Aaron Jones and they didn't have Christian Watson. So again, th- this to me is like Lean into what you do. Uh, and instead, we saw what looked like a super lateral, again, looked like a college offense, looked like a college game. Uh, all the poor special teams in this game contributed to making it look like a college game. But Very, very inconsistent quarterback play. Yeah. So every single throw looked like it was outside the numbers and within five yards. And, you know, just not something that we've seen Jordan Love doing in the last couple of weeks. And he's missing dudes by like six, seven feet. Yeah. Um, it, it looked ugly. Uh, everything looked off kilter. And and I, I, again, I don't want to discredit what the Giants are doing. I'm sure there was some level of confusion on his part with what Wink was doing. At one point, I, we saw Kayvon running with uh, Romeo Dubs way down the field in coverage. At another point, I saw Zizo Jolari drop into coverage. You know, 
I know that Wink is being Wink, and that's definitely screwing up more things than I could possibly catch with my eyes, especially when ESPN is splitting the fucking screen in half to show you half of another game that you did not put on the TV, but, oh, they did it multiple times, or if you're at the game and you only have the vantage point that you have. I um, have a... I have a... a a fart tattooed on my arm for ESPN. Me too, man. All the things they always do. So. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go on a rant, but for the sports media company that they are, they have. They are positioned to be an unstoppable force of continuous sports broadcasting muscle, and they fuck it up so goddamn hard. It is pathetic. I had it's to sit through the same shit, though. I had to sit through... I, I know why they do it. It's because they are just promoting themselves for more money. They don't care that they're delivering a shit product. They are in the entertainment business. They are not in the sports business. And the problem is everybody thinks because they broadcast live games and have content programming that talks about sports that they are in the sports business they are not they are in entertainment solely yeah but it but it's it's a little bit more complicated than that because you can argue that splitting the screen in half is poor entertainment because that's legitimately what i felt like i am annoyed by this broadcast you are making a poor product i think it's more than that they don't care they've got the market cornered and they're just going to give you what they feel like anything to put more eyes on the screen i had to sit through this same shit Twice going through college stuff, just trying to watch college football where they peeled away for Aaron Judge uh, trying to hit home runs. If you watch a, a normal Saturday night ESPN broadcast, you can see on the screen four different ESPN identifiers. You see it on the top right where it says Saturday night college football ESPN on the scroll on the bottom three times. Here's it's ESPN identifier, ESPN ticker. You see on the lower third, you see on the right, coming up tomorrow on ESPN, this, they are in business for themselves and they don't care. It's yeah. all about what's next. Yeah, and, and honestly, I could care less about that. I don't, I don't, that's fine if they want to do that. It's just 90% of their energy is spent on that and 10% is spent on the broadcast. It drives me crazy. But my point being, uh, I just don't. I think that this this coach in Green Bay is going to be kind of short-lived. I know for a fact. Well, I don't know for a fact. I have an even stronger feeling that Jordan Love is going to be short-lived in Green Bay. This whole thing I don't think is going to work out. I, I think you have a quarterback that's limited and a demanding fan base with high expectations at the quarterback position. This, this fan base hasn't seen a bad quarterback since like 1988. It's insane. It's not really yeah. true, but like it's kind well, of true. Well, I mean, since before uh, the Magic Man, Don, Don Mikowski, I guess. I but it, one of those guys, yeah. Uh, and, and I, I think it, at this point, you've got a coach losing. We had nothing to lose in this game. They had everything to lose, and you've outcoached yourself into a loss. It's just silly. Uh, meanwhile, also, Kayvon was insane in this game. Eight tackles. He was key on a lot of those lateral plays. I know he got burned on one or something like that, but. He had a sack, quarterback hit, uh, forced fumble at one point on a Jordan Love himself, and a uh, pass defended that you could argue was a bad play because it might have been a pick six to Bobby Okereke. It was such a bad pass. I have no idea what Jordan Love was looking at half the night. I thought Deontay Banks gets a star in my book too. I think, I think, I think we're seeing a real progression from the beginning of the year to now. That uh, you know, we one of our fears before the season started was just. We're going to have to deal with rookie cornerbacks and let them grow. And I'm getting more and more confident that he's going to be a solid corner on this team for, for years to come. He he played really, really well. Um, he didn't play perfectly, and that's sort of been the theme for him this year. And I think it's kind of awesome. Uh, the, the one kind of uh, silver lining you can say to the way this season has played out is that it uh, – it, cultivated a nurturing environment for Deontay Banks, right? So you have a defense that uh, that forces him to work on his man coverage skills, number one. Number two, um, puts him in situations where uh, because of the heavy pressure rate, the chance that he's going to be picked on if he makes a mistake, like this grants him a lot of mistakes without punishment. 
it allows a lot of learning opportunities because, yeah, he might have busted coverage, but because the quarterback didn't see it for the coverage, he doesn't have to hear about it till the film room, and he can see what he did wrong. He can learn from his mistakes. He doesn't have to let it get inside his head because he got burned for a 70-yard play. And then on the uh, on the other side of it, as the season went on, you know, the quarterback goes down, the season's spiraling out of control, nothing matters anymore. You have that. You know, you, you can play more free in this game. You know what I mean? He did make some mistakes in this game. He did get beat a couple of times. But he had an outstanding play in the end zone to break that up. He didn't even put a single hand on that receiver. I don't remember if it was Jaden Reed or Jordan Dubs or whatever yep. that other guy, uh, his name is. But just a beautiful and, – and, and again, pass was not leading the receiver. But still, mm-hmm. good hand-eye coordination, playing like a vet. Yeah. Jason Pinnock had a really good interception. Uh, also think that Jordan Love didn't realize that there was a safety there, I think. Yeah, that's what we were saying. <laughs> looked terrible. Wait. I mean, he definitely looked like he was more impacted by the wind and the conditions. Now, again – it wasn't Hurricane Sandy blowing through there, but it was also, you know, a bit of a factor, I would say. I think, uh, and I don't know he's, he was just inaccurate. He just just like a bad quarterback. I I just I don't know. I think sometimes you just have bad games too. I mean, he's a yeah. he's a young quarterback. It's his first year. You know, he, he's. Still under enormous pressure, like you said, the lineage before him and everything. And sure. you know, rookie quarterback or first year starters are going to have their ups and their downs. So I'm not going to make any definitive, you know, statements about him going forward. But I think that was a growing pain for Green Bay, and that's what happens when you start a guy like him. Uh, I I wish we could talk more about the defense, um, but just as I wish I could point out more individuals, I I should say. But I think that. As a whole and as a collective, they all played pretty well. Nobody played like particularly terribly. I think Cordell Flat had some ugly plays, but overall, as a as a unit, they continued to play really, really well. And a busted up Green Bay team could not take advantage. Uh, I think that yeah. I mean, a lot of times, the, the, you know the. The last score they gave up was the victim of being put in a bad situation. Sure, I think something and, happened, and they so. and they put that off for a while. And and the touchdown itself was marginal. I mean, like a game of inches, indeed. It was a special teams mistake. They got the ball deep in, in the territory. They were the turnover late. That yeah, that was another thing I was going to say. Uh, special teams. I I think at this point we can say that we just we we're never going to have good special teams until we switch out coordinators and do. Yeah. And and I I mean that in that when you switch out a coordinator, you are no longer just kind of whatevering. The entire unit, because in the interview process, that is sort of what it felt like. Like, yeah, and and I don't know if if you know the Maras have any like influence where they're like, this is a respected guy. I would really like you to keep the special teams coordinator. People have said that. People who have information have suggested that. I don't so know, weird. and I don't care. My point is, is that they didn't really interview for the position. They just passed it off like it doesn't matter. It does fucking matter. I don't care about special teams. I don't ever want to study special teams, but you have a whole coordinator handling that unit for a reason. It's important. There the worst field position situations always happen on special teams. I it just seems so strange how you know, there's so few amount of head coaches to organizations that value good special teams like you know i know in the college ranks like urban meyer that was one of his from day one he was at florida through ohio state was special teams special teams special teams i'm putting my best players out there i am going to make things happen a i'm not going to have any of the obvious mistakes but b i'm going to make things happen i am going to have my fastest guy who could potentially break one i'm going to get athletic fast guys line scrimmage maybe they can get a punt block or a, a, a field goal block and it just doesn't seem like many coaches care and i don't know if that's a symptom of the limited amount of practice time they have during the week that they just simply don't want to waste time on special teams that's a really I, I, interesting theory yeah I, I don't know that might be just one of the negatives of that you know but it just seems around the league you know, we're we're watching. Well, the Jets had the Jets had a fake that worked. Was it the Jets? 
Shit. When Red Zone's on, and things just sort of happen, and they just sort of happen around me. Um, I mean, that doesn't mean that things never work, but I mean, just like to me, special teams are consistency. I'm I don't have the mistakes happen, and I can make potential big plays, and I just I don't know. I, it just seems like that's another weak problem. Back to our theme of quarterback play and offensive line play and stuff. It's just special teams just doesn't seem like it's a priority. It's almost everybody's kind of like, it is what it is. I can only fight so many battles during a week. That is an interesting theory that the special team, uh, yeah, special teams is suffering as a result of the CBA practice time. And uh, it might be interesting because I'm probably uh, in, in a witch hunt mentality about it right now, about that being the, like the root of all evil. Uh, and that's and that's sort of another thing on that too. That again, all these guys they're so concerned about people getting hurt. Well, y- yeah, that, you know, okay. You may not have your your ideal eleven guys to be on special teams. They may not want to have all eleven because they're afraid of. I, I don't want this guy going down. What I perceive as oh a punt return. Well, well as hang on, hang on, hang on. That's that's a nuanced topic because mm-hmm. yes, you're right. Like as we said, Adoree Jackson should not be returning punts. That being said, there is something I, – I think that there's something to what you're what you're saying though because in 2011, I, I guess it was Tom Quinn was the special teams coordinator. It doesn't matter. But I remember on that Super Bowl winning team, that 2011 team, they were having starters. And I think even on that 2016 team that was really, really good uh, or you know they were pretty good um, – they were having starters play special teams, and it was an important coaching point. And I don't know if that was Tom Coughlin maybe pushing that button or what. But if you want to do that now, then you have to pull your starters to take special teams reps in a day where you have a lot less reps to give up. So that option is almost completely off of the table. That's why I think there actually is something to you saying that. I I think that you just kind of have to especially if you're a budding team like the giants are and and like brian dable was kind of walking into this fucking goddamn mess uh (laughs) you're not really going to go in there and be like well listen special teams is one third of the game i got to make sure that my best 11 are over there you're still trying to figure out where the best 11 are and then in your second year you're trying not to screw up so you want your best 11 to get some reps you don't want them dicking around in special teams so Mm -hmm. i i I think that there's a lot uh, of of truth to that theory i think that's a really really uh really good theory i have my moments yeah um, do you have any other <laughs> thoughts on this game other than it was just super duper fun and uh, I'm actually legitimately excited to watch next week? I mean, I think it's just really, you know, if we would have lost, the only meaning we would have had for the rest of the year is just lose out. <laughs> now at least we have some, at least, and again, we have talked about this for the past several years too, is that you want momentum. You know, it's hard for complete buy-in when there's nothing really to play for. And now that there's that carrot, I don't care if it's this big or this big, of maybe the playoffs, and you're going to pay a little bit more attention in film study. You're going to give it a little extra effort on that last hit on Wednesday practice. You know, it only helps the foundation of this team. It helps Brian Dable. It helps Wink. It, it takes the conversation away from Brian versus Wink. It does all of these things that help grease the skids for this coaching staff, this front office, this roster to become a winning football team. And you're keeping people on the same page. Kudos to this coaching staff. They still get a star as well and a continued star for this team not quitting Obviously, there was no quit yesterday when it looked like this team could have quit at the very end. But now you're playing for something. And, you know, Grump and I will be together this weekend. Um, we'll be watching this for sure. And, you know, we're going to be flipping around red zone and being like, what are these five other teams doing? Because until we're not in the playoffs, we have a shot at the playoffs. And as far-fetched as it may be, you know, I like to have the final – four weeks or five weeks of the season means something. That's a month of time. That's a long time to have irrelevant football. And I don't want that. Now we don't have it anymore. So thank you, Giants. Thank you, Brian Dable. Thank you, 
Wink Martindale. Thank you, Mike Kafka. Thank you, Tommy DeVito. Thank you to everybody. So we can enjoy the rest of this season. There's a lot of thank yous. I feel like you're, you know, like the Pope on tour on your, your bulletproof car waving. <laughs> um, we are... We are going to be together for our annual uh, family Christmas party, watching this game upstairs at the bar and being antisocial. Uh, and I'm, I'm legitimately excited for it. I, I am not uh, kind of – I will not be backgrounding it. Uh, I will be backgrounding the family conversation for a while until I deem otherwise. So that is I, true. I am, I'm excited for this game. I'm excited to hang with you uh, and, and watch this game and uh, – uh, we will have our preview episode of this game on Friday morning on YouTube and iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. You know where to find us on Twitter as well, at football underscore grump and at the cranky fan. And we will see you all bright and bushy-tailed Friday morning into Christmas season. Go Giants! Go Giants. Go Giants.